episode 764. This past weekend was the Senior Bowl and the Pro Bowl, all in the shadow of the Super Bowl. To talk about these games, we welcome Justice Mosqueda of Bleacher Report. It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. Good morning, Green Bay Packers fans. And welcome to Railbird Central at Cheesehead TV, the longest tenured Packers podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Brian Caravu, and today we're talking about all the bowls this past weekend, the Senior Bowl, the Pro Bowl, and to do that, we have a guest joining us on the phone today. Baltar, find me another expert, one that likes me this time, okay? We have Justice Mosqueda of Bleacher Report. Justice, how are you this morning? Good. How are we doing over there? Uh, very good. Now, yeah, you're over on the West Coast, aren't you? It's pretty early over there. Yeah, but you're special, and I wanted to do this for you. So <laughs> you, you got you got lucky, who so even though it's very early in the morning. Very good. Well, I hope you got a cup of coffee with you. We're going to talk some football here this morning. Justin was, Justice was at the Senior Bowl this past week, but before we get to that, the Pro Bowl was last night, and we're not going to break down the Pro Bowl or anything like that. But, Justice, this game gets so much attention for all the wrong reasons. What can the NFL do to come up with an alternative to it, or what can they do to fix it? What can they do? I'm not sure, but I think what they started doing this week, right, where where they had, like, uh, the dodgeball games and things like that. If you're, if you're just talking about senior week, or, uh, the Pro Bowl week, compared to just the Pro Bowl game, I think I think they're on the right track. I think you 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 kind of brand it like a whole week. Um, that's a lot better than just the individual game. I I can buy that. Uh, is there? I mean, are we just destined for the next however many years to watch bad football uh, during the Pro Bowl game itself? However, I think so because if you're if you're watching like I, I was watching it last night, or I at least watched the first half of it. Um, with like an eye on like the pass rushers, right? And I was just like trying to see what what like just a one on one matchups with them and the tackles on the end. Uh-huh. And like the, the the pass rushers aren't really even going hard. You know what I mean? Like they're not really trying to get penetration. I mean, it looks like a must rush every single time. I mean, they're not trying to nail these quarterbacks. You know, they're not trying to have linemen come at their knees. I think it's like a mutual decision for everyone to talk to each other and be like, hey. We're trying to make it out of this game alive. Yeah, I don't know what the NFL can do there, whether uh, uh, we just live with that or m- maybe the, the skills competition eventually replaces the Pro Bowl. I don't know. But anyway, that's enough Pro Bowl talk for now. Justice was at the Senior Bowl this past week. The South beat the North on Saturday 16-15, to and we're going to talk about some of the uh, the players from this game. Before we get to the game itself, we want to talk about the week of practice and your impressions. Alabama's Delvin Tomlinson won the practice player of the week on the defensive line. Uh, the game was in Alabama. The Packers have invested in Alabama players early in the NFL draft between HaHa Clint Dix and Eddie Lacy. Justice, what do you think of Tomlinson and how he fits into an NFL defense? Yeah, him him being the uh, defensive lineman of the week doesn't really surprise me. I think he, Eddie Vanderdose of UCLA, and uh, Tanzel Smart of Tulane clearly had the best practices of any of these defensive tackles. Um, 
he's kind of like Jaron Reed last year, right? Where he's a much better run defender than he is a pass rusher on that relative scale. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in one on ones, Dalvin Tomlinson was still able to uh, get pretty consistent uh, pass rush against these centers and guards. Um, I actually really like him in Green Bay. I think that for a team that doesn't necessarily have that left end body, uh, he could be a big deal. And like Green Bay, you can go back and watch like that Dallas game. Green mm-hmm. Bay didn't want to leave nickel. Like if you, Dallas would come on, come in with the, an extra tight end and an extra offensive lineman, and Green Bay would still be playing that that two four defense, mm-hmm. right? With that that nickel defense, and I think part of the reason that they did that is just because they don't have the horses to run, you know, an odd front uh, consistently. Yep. So I think if you add him and he was able to play like left end or even nose tackle, and you kick out like a guy like a guy like Kenny Clark, right? I mm-hmm. think I think that could work too. Um, but just having three solid run defenders that you can throw out there at any time, uh, that would totally change what this Packers defense looks like, in my opinion. Yeah, interesting thoughts there. I have a similar question on a couple Iowa players, like another defensive lineman, Jaleel Johnson, also cornerback Desmond King. The Packers have lots of Iowa players on the roster already. What were your impressions of these two guys? Yeah, so I actually got to speak to these guys. Um, uh, my I, we started a podcast called Setting the Edge, and uh, Charles McDonald and I went down to, see, to uh, the media night, and we we ended up uh, interviewing Jaleel Johnson. We talked to him. He said he really likes watching like Indomitian Sue and like Aaron Donald, but that he models his game after uh, Marshall Darius. And then Desmond King just comes up halfway through our interview and starts saying, you know, hey, can I ask him a couple questions? <laughs> yeah, go for it, man. Yeah, go for it. Um, they're both kind of goofy guys. I think uh, Jaleel Johnson, we asked him uh, what he would be doing if he weren't playing football, and he said he'd be running point for an NBA team. And I was like, all right, yeah, that's true. <laughs> sure, that, that totally makes sense. You're a defensive tackle. That makes sense. Um, Desmond King, I think he's on the shorter side of things. Uh, in terms of speed, his legs aren't necessarily top end. And looking at this Packers roster, if we're talking about cornerbacks, right, like that's very much what they need. Mm-hmm. I think if Desmond King ends up on Green Bay's roster, he, he's more of like a Micah Hyde replacement than anything else. Um, Julio Johnson, I think he could play for any team in the NFL. I, I think a defensive tackle like that can fit into any any scheme. Cool, cool. Uh, all right, uh, we talked some defense, up a little offense here. Running back Jamal Williams was named the running back practice player of the week. He came from a BYU program that became more of a pro-style offense under former Packer Ty Detmer this past season. How much do you think that helped him after watching him this past week? Yeah, he he looked the part. You know what I mean? Like He, he was a guy who everyone had fairly high expectations for coming in. Um and he's just explosive in every way. Uh, he looks like a legitimate NFL running back. Like, he probably should be a top 100 pick. Uh, I think everyone who watched him this week kind of, like, I mean, he checked all the boxes, right? So it's like, he's, he, it doesn't matter what offense he's coming from. It doesn't matter that they weren't feeding him like Leonard Fournette was at LSU and stuff like that. I think Jamal, Jamal Williams, easily top 100 pick, easily can be a number one or number two back on, you know, 85% of NFL rosters right now. Hmm. Uh, good for him that uh, he had a good week of practice leading up to the game. And in the game itself, Kareem Hunt of Toledo won the most outstanding offensive player after rushing for more than 100 yards. How does he compare to Williams, Justice? Uh, he's, he's, very, he's a lot bigger than you would expect. 
like in terms of like what his listed weight is, right? Um, but he holds it very well. Like you, you would not guess that he's like a dude who's hovering around like two thirty. Um, one thing with Kareem Hunt though is he was clearly Polito's best uh, football player, right? Like not not close. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess unless you think of that tight end, uh, but he he consistently got suspended at Toledo for off-field stuff. And uh, that's not usually how that thing works, right? So it's like, uh, um, you know, you don't usually have a top-end talent in the MAC who also is in trouble all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder how much that impacts his NFL draft stock. That's the only thing I would worry, is if he's not getting drafted based off of his talent. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, NFL evaluators will get to learn a little bit more at the NFL Combine about him. Um Finally here, one more Senior Bowl question. How closely should we be paying attention to safety Lorenzo Jerome, a small school safety, after he came up with two interceptions in the Senior Bowl one week after coming up with two interceptions in the NFLPA game? Yeah, so he's uh, he, he's from St. Francis. Um, there, I believe there was also a linebacker from that school down there. Um, there were a lot of, like, D2 and like FCS products uh, this year. And some of them like uh, Davenport from Bucknell, the left tackle uh, did not look the part at all, but uh, Jerome definitely did. Absolutely. Uh, The only thing that I would worry about Packers fit, right. Is that uh, he ends up coming in at like five ten and five ten and a half. And uh, the Packers tend to like length almost across the board, across the board. Uh, especially at the cornerback position, it's almost like if you're not five ten in the fifth, uh, then you you are not even a cornerback, just defensive back yeah. uh, in general and receiver. Um, if you're not five ten in the fifth, they're just going to take you off the board. Uh, so that's the only thing that I worry about him is if he's on the smaller end, uh, if they even necessarily look at him under Ted Thompson. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Um... Uh, all right, Justice, last question here before we let you go. Uh, the Colts named a general manager on Sunday, Chris Ballard, ending any possibility of Elliot Wolf leaving Green Bay, at least for the time being. What's your prediction on if, when, and where Wolf becomes a general manager in the NFL? Yeah, so when I was down there, there I talked to a lot of people, and it seems like the consensus is that, like, Ted. Ted very much is not going to be around for more than like two more drafts tops. And it does, it sounds like people might think that he might leave after this draft. Um, I don't think it should be surprising to anyone that someone in their sixties is like about to be done in the workforce. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, But it it seems very apparent that it's like, yeah, one of these guys is going to have to step up. If it's not Wolf, then Goot. Um, I think Alonzo Highsmith should be flirting with, you know, uh, jobs across the league, uh, even like the San Francisco opening, where they're saying that the the general manager John Lynch, which is like the weirdest thing on earth to say at this point, <laughs> um, he's looking for a number two guy, and uh, those jobs have been offered up to Lorenzo Highsmith before Alonzo Highsmith before, um, but he was turned down. He was denied interviews by the Green Bay Packers. I'm not sure what his contract situation looks like currently. Yeah. Uh, but he's a guy who clearly, I mean, it seems like the NFL has tabs on those three guys. And they're like, you guys are going to be future general managers in this league. Uh, just work your way up the ladder. 
It's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. Justice, uh, well, I, before I let you go here, I guess you, you alluded to your podcast before. Uh, how can people listen to that and where? Yeah, Setting the Edge podcast. You can find it on uh, SoundCloud and go subscribe to it on iTunes. Uh, leave a review and put some nice comments down. Very good. Justice, thanks so much for uh, getting up early for us this morning. Great insight on these players at the Senior Bowl. Thanks a lot, and we'll do it again sometime. Yeah, thanks, Ryan. Anytime. Take care. Justice Mosqueda of Bleacher Report and Setting the Edge podcast joining us here at Railbird Central on a Monday morning. Glad to have him joining us. Glad to have you, the listener, join us as we continue on with the show. Well, Vince, I'll tell you what the heck's going on out here. The AFC beat the NFC 20-13 to in the Pro Bowl at Orlando Citrus Bowl Stadium on Sunday evening. It was the return to the AFC-NFC format, which I thought was better than the Pro Bowl draft. But I still thought the Pro Bowl with players giving little more than minimum effort was still pretty terrible to watch. It was, however, the final opportunity to watch anyone with a G on their helmet play in a com- semi-competitive game. Uh, even that, though, did little to sustain Packers fans. Safety, ha-ha, Clint Dix didn't even make the stat sheet, failing to make so much as a single tackle. Perhaps the most interesting thing from a Packers angle in this game was seeing David Bakhtiari line up at left tackle, next to former teammate Josh Sinn at left guard, and it would have been even more interesting if T.J. Lang would have played, Um, but he dropped out of the game after undergoing hip surgery and suffering a foot injury in the final playoff game. But for one final time, congratulations to HaHa Clint Dix and David Bakhtiari on their recognition. It is well-deserved, even if the Pro Bowl game itself is a joke. Um, But in other Packers news, the team did make a transaction over the weekend, signing long snapper Tabor Pepper this past Friday. He's a rookie that was eligible to play in 2016, but from what I can tell, never signed with an NFL team prior to inking a contract with the Packers. I tried to do a little research, and it appears as if he had a tryout with the Baltimore Ravens, but got never got any closer than that. But it does make sense that the Packers would give a long snapper, uh, you know, sign one at this time of year to a future contract, uh, seeing as the incumbent Brett Goode is, A, going to be a free agent here during the offseason, and B, getting up there in age. I actually thought Goode played quite well in 2016, considering he was just months removed from coming off an a, a torn ACL. Um, once again, the, the accuracy of his snaps was as pretty much as good as it gets. At least none of them led to a turnover, even if I do remember punter Jacob Schum having to leaping for one or two. Uh, but that's the main thing uh, for a, a long snapper. As long as you are accurate in the snaps, uh, they can live with other shortcomings. Um but now the Packers will will have several months to see how Pepper works out before deciding to either re-sign Good or someone else or bring in another rookie. As far as Tabor Pepper goes, 
Uh, he has one claim to fame in college at Michigan State, having played in 54 career games, which is tied for the most in school history. So we can say that about him. Uh, other than that, I, I don't have much to say about a college long snapper that I've probably already said more than you will find in any other media outlet out there. Um, so there you go. The Packers added a new player, and, and they did that during this dead period of the offseason now that they're eliminated from the playoffs. Um, but but if I had one thing to kind of maybe talk about that that's maybe a little more significant than long snapper here today, one final note that I never really had the time to get to last week, Packers head coach Mike McCarthy confirmed in his season-ending press conference that Ty Montgomery will stay at running back and wants to change his number. I, I think, you know, this was something most people probably assumed, but you maybe had a bit of doubt in your mind considering he did spend so much time at wide receiver when the Packers first drafted him and kind of developed him there. Uh, but now that he switched to running back this past season, uh, during the season, he's going to stay there now. <clears throat> and um, I think that's a good thing for both him and the Green Bay Packers. I think Ty Montgomery, as we talked about on the show, even coming out of college, uh, talking to Sam Monson of, um, of, of Pro Football Focus, who thought he was should have been a running back day one coming out of college. Uh, on this show, we talked to him about that, and um, that you know that's something that's kind of always stuck with me. And uh, it, it you know certainly Ty Montgomery, he did good things for the for the Packers this year. No, nobody will forget the game against the Chicago Bears when you know he ran for over a hundred yards, had a couple touchdowns, and you know, was really one of the best running backs in the NFL that week. And you thought, you know, that here's something the Packers can work with. You know, he, he's got a little bit of uh, a speed to him as opposed to probably more so than a guy like Eddie Lacy, who certainly has more power, but Ty Montgomery has the more speed. Um, yeah, you could just tell watching Ty Montgomery the hesitancy he would have sometimes when getting the football. Certainly once he got up to speed, once he got to the second level, you know, then you see how dangerous he can be. He just needs to get there quicker sometimes. Uh, and that comes with practice and reps and being there for a full off season. I think if we get that out of time, Montgomery here in the early portion of uh, 2017, he's going to be a much better player at running back in all phases of the game, not just running the ball, which obviously you have to do really well. I mean, that's his primary job, but other things like pass protection, which he would, that, that, that was probably the worst part of his game. Uh, and the Packers tried to avoid it as much as possible, but you can't, you know, sometimes he would have to. Uh, you you just can't have a guy do one thing out there because then you tip your cap to defenses. So once in a while he had to pass protect. And when he does, he's got to get better at protecting Aaron Rodgers. And then on top of that, catching the football too out of the backfield. It's a little bit different catching the ball out of the backfield as it is as a wide receiver when you're used to catching it downfield. Um, 
not to say, I, I mean, that's probably an easier transition for a guy who's used to catching passes, but still just something you got to get the timing down when you're doing running screen plays and things like that. All things Ty Montgomery t- can get better at. Um, and I, I don't think that, you know, whatever the Packers do with Eddie Lacy, I don't really think it's going to have too much of an impact on Ty Montgomery because every team in the NFL needs at least two, if not three, halfbacks on their roster. And, and I'm you're, you're probably looking at the end of James Stark's career with the Green Bay Packers. Uh, maybe not due to the concussion, although that doesn't help. Uh, it was kind of a weird situation toward the end of the year where that really was uh, apparently fairly serious when he got into that car accident. He never played from that point forward. But still, I think even before that happened, you were starting to see, you know, a running back get, you know, to age 30 and starting to see a decline in his skills or near age 30. I'm not, he's probably right around 30, right? I don't even know James Stark's age off the top. But still, you pretty much every football player in the NFL, you hit that 30 mark and that, then your skills start declining some some guys can keep it going later than others, like Julius Peppers and others, especially like skill position players. It's tough. It's very tough at that point. Well, quarterbacks can go a little bit longer, but running backs, wide receivers, where you're reliant on that speed, it's difficult. Um, and I think we saw that with James Stark. So the Packers going to need another running back, and it makes sense, I think, you know, to have out there Ty Montgomery and Eddie Lacy. I think would would be a good one-two combination. You kind of got the power and the speed there. They each offer something a little bit different. And obviously, they're going to bring back the other young guys they had on the roster this year, like Don Jackson and John Crockett. They're going to be in training camp this past, you know, next year, just just providing competition in case an injury happens or things like that. But I think, you know, all things, you know, being equal, if if Eddie Lacy resigns. I think you're looking at the Packers' top two running backs in the stable being Lacy and Montgomery. Uh, certainly, they could add a rookie, and and you know, if Lacy doesn't resign, it would probably be more likely that the Packers add a rookie this next year. But I mean, those are decisions down the road. We got to wait to see how free agency plays itself out before we get to the NFL draft or signing free, you know, undrafted free agents, things like that. But anyway, uh, I think it's a good thing that Ty Montgomery sticking with the running back position. I think he's going to be so much better off at the start of the 2017 season than he was in 2016 from all the practice reps he's going to receive. Uh, and we'll see what his, if, it, it, well, he's going to change his number. We'll see what it's going to be. That, that'll be an interesting unveiling there. Um, but yeah. So anyway, uh, that leads us into the next segment here. The day ahead. All right. The NFL deadline for trying out and negotiating with Canadian Football League players takes place tomorrow on Tuesday, January 31st, such players aren't allowed to actually sign until their contracts expire on February 14th, but if the Packers want to bring them in, the deadline is Tuesday. I, I honestly have no clue whether the Packers are interested in signing any CFL players. 
They've done so in the past, most notably at one point with punter John Ryan. But there you go. That's about as close as I can get you to Packers-related items on our calendar here in the next, you know, the next 24-hour period here. Uh, But the Packers will have to comply with this NFL-mandated deadline on January 31st just for trying out and negotiating with CFL players. Uh, If you want to Google what players might uh, be uh, from the CFL that might be, you know, have have interest to an NFL team, I'm sure you could do that. Um, Other than that, uh, you know, it's Super Bowl opening night. Uh, That's what they dub it now. This used to be Super Bowl media day, uh, but it's Super Bowl opening night on Monday evening. Uh, an event that can be seen on the NFL Network, on ESPN, on FS1, and Fox Deportes starting at 7 o'clock p.m. Central Time. I think it lasts three hours long, so like 7 to 10 p.m., all taking place during prime time. The Packers aren't participating, but the team that eliminated them from the playoffs will be so there might be some incidental Packers talk uh, on lots of sports networks here on Monday night. Um, like I said, the, the Packers aren't uh, taking part, but maybe you can watch somebody like uh, former Packer Charles Woodson, who now is on the staff at ESPN. I'm, I'm sure he'll be one of their talking heads on Monday night as teams arrive in Houston for the Super Bowl. Um, yeah, not, not exactly Packers related, but as the week goes on, I'm sure we'll have a little bit more to say about the team that eliminated the Packers from the playoffs and the team that they're taking on the new England Patriots in Super Bowl L I or 51 in, uh, Roman numerals. So, uh, there you go, folks. That's what's on tap. Like I said, over the next 24 hours or so in the world of the NFL and the Green Bay Packers. And that'll do it for today's episode of Railbird Central. Thank you, everybody, so much for joining us. Thank you to Justice Mosqueda of Bleacher Report for joining us. Uh, My call to action today, uh, today's show is brought to you by B-Rock, Madison's upcoming craft beer bar, looking to open in the coming months, of which I am the prospective owner Please give us a follow on Facebook at facebook.com slash Madison. That's B-I-E-R-O-C-K. And, uh, yeah, thanks a lot, folks. Uh, <clears throat> Railbird Central airs every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 8.30 a.m. Central Time, which is the live edition of the show, podcasted and on demand later in the day. Uh, listen wherever you can get your podcast whether it's itunes stitcher wherever we host it right at cheeseheadtv.com wherever you want to listen to your podcast preferences we'll see you folks on behalf of everybody at cheesehead tv i'm brian caribou i leave you today with a song called different light by steve winwood on sci fidelity records see ya go pack go